Hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of Coach's Corner. As always, this is Peter Sawchuk, your career development and training manager. On today's episode, we're tackling an interesting topic that you might be familiar with because you might have experienced it, imposter syndrome. We'll specifically talk about what it is, how to identify it, what are some of the characteristics, what might cause it, what types of imposter syndrome exist, and coping techniques you can use if you feel you're experiencing imposter syndrome. It's a good one. Hope you like it. Let's get started. Have you ever had a moment in your career where you had this feeling or belief that you're not as competent as others perceive you to be? Perhaps you felt as though at any moment you're going to be found out as some sort of fraud, phony, or fake. If you answered yes to either of those questions, you've likely encountered imposter syndrome throughout your career. And the truth is, it can affect anyone, no matter their social status, work background, skill level, or their degree of expertise in a particular field. And it's not as uncommon as you might think. Studies show an estimated 70% of people will experience at least one episode in their life. If you've ever felt like you've experienced imposter syndrome or to recognize it in the future, here are some questions that you can ask yourself. Do you agonize over even the smallest mistakes or flaws in your work? Do you attribute your success to luck or outside factors? Are you very sensitive to even constructive criticism? Do you feel like you will inevitably be found out as a phony? Do you downplay your own expertise, even in areas where you are generally more skilled than others? If you answered yes to any of these questions in the past, or if you're listening to this now and you answer any of these questions yes, it might be time to talk to somebody, specifically a therapist. They can help work through some of those concerns you might be having and help you get over these bouts of imposter syndrome. Another way to recognize imposter syndrome is to look for some of the key characteristics, and here are some of them. An inability to realistically assess your competence and skills. Attributing your success to external factors, like nothing you did helped you get to where you are today. Berating your performance. If you consistently beat yourself up over everything, that might be a sign of imposter syndrome. A fear that you won't live up to expectations, whether those are your own expectations, expectations placed upon you by others. Overachieving. Sabotaging your own success. Or self-doubt and setting very challenging goals and feeling disappointed when you fall short. Imposter syndrome can fuel the feeling of motivation to achieve, like you want to overcompensate for things you might think you lack, but it comes with this constant anxiety. When you feel like you're doing well at something, that experience alone does nothing to change your beliefs. You'll still feel like this imposter if you don't seek out the proper help to get that addressed. Now, you might be listening up to this point and thinking to yourself, well, you know, Peter, I feel like I've experienced this, but I really don't know where it comes from. So what exactly causes imposter syndrome and how can I help myself understand why I am the way I am? The first thing, it could be family upbringing. If you grew up in a family that strove for high achievement in everything, if they really pushed you to accomplish certain things, to reach for the stars, so to speak, and when you fall short of those expectations, that might feel that imposter syndrome within you, especially if it was ingrained in you in an early age. You might be in a new work or a school experience or opportunity. So think back to when you were in high school or when you were in college. I mean, I went through that constantly going to college. I was like, man, do I really belong here? Like, this is a really big step for me. Your personality might also make you more prone to imposter syndrome. 
your belief in your ability to succeed in any given situation, that overconfidence. And when you fall short, that's really going to hit you hard. If you're a perfectionist, which we'll get into different types of imposter syndrome, but if you strive to have everything in order in a certain particular way and you won't strive until every little thing is 100% done, that also might foster a feeling of imposter syndrome within you. Also, if you're more prone to neuroticism, which is this disposition to experience negative effects. So if you get more angry, if you get more anxious, if you're more self-conscious about things, that can help contribute to that imposter syndrome. And again, nothing I say in this episode is going to be the silver bullet to cure your imposter syndrome. That's where the help of a therapist or psychiatrist or whomever, they can help you get the resources you need. This is all about understanding where it comes from so you know exactly how to direct those questions. Trust me. I'm no mental health expert, as you've listened to countless podcasts. I can only give you what I think or what research shows are the rationale for certain things. If you feel that you're also a socially anxious person where you don't like being in social or performance situations, where you go to certain events, like I am, no, I do not do good in networking events. I know a terrible thing to say working in public accounting where it's client facing, but that's something I acknowledge in myself. I don't get anxious. I just don't do as well as I think I should. And oftentimes when I go to them and I come back and I think, you know, I could have done better in this or maybe I didn't belong there. Do I belong in this field if I can't communicate with people? And imposter syndrome often causes normally non-anxious people like myself if I go to a networking event to experience some sense of anxiety when we're in situations where they do feel inadequate. So I go to a networking event and I'm looking at all these other VPs of training or presidents of learning and development or these chief talent officers. I'm like, man, do I really belong here? Like, is this the field for me? Like, am I in the right place? Did I miss the exit off the highway? <laughs> am I supposed to be here right now? Now, there are different types of imposter syndrome, specifically five that I'll call out, and you might identify yourself with one of these five types. I know which one I am to a T, and it is going to be the perfectionist. I am somebody who is never satisfied, and I always feel that their work could be better. In fact, if you've ever worked with me on a project or a task or anything, I will put my maximum effort into things and then I'll look back on it 30 seconds after the fact and think, man, I wish I could have done that better. Like, oh, I screwed up there, I screwed up there, I screwed up there. So after a while, it just starts to beat on you. And there comes a point in your career or after talking to somebody that you'll learn to just kind of let those things go. There's another type, which is the superhero. And this is this idea that you're compelled to push yourselves and work as hard as possible. If you're grinding out hours, even in non-busy season times, if you're just putting all these hours in because you feel like you have to work as hard as possible to prove to others that you belong, that is a type of imposter syndrome. And again, that comes from talking with your therapist or psychiatrist to help understand why you feel the need to work as hard as you do and get it corrected. Natural genius. I thought this one was interesting. It's where somebody sets excessively lofty goals for themselves and they're crushed when they don't achieve it on their first try. So here's a, an example when it comes to fitness, let's say. If your goal is to run a 5K by the end of the month, it's certainly doable, but if you've never run a minute in your life and you try and ramp yourself up to run that 5K, you're going to be severely disappointed when you can't complete it because you didn't have the practice leading up to it, or perhaps it was too much that you bit off for this particular goal. So that's an example of that natural genius thinking you can do something without really kind of thinking through the, the steps to accomplish it. Then you have the soloist. The soloist is somebody who is individualistic and they prefer to work alone. And to them, asking for help is a sign of weakness or incompetence. 
And this is something that I experienced really early on in my career of, hey, I want to do this thing on my own. I don't need anybody's help. I was kind of braggadocious in that way. But I realized that I do need other people's help to succeed. And it's not a sign of weakness if you ask somebody for help. When you're doing so, it actually shows more humility than anything. And the last type of imposter syndrome is the expert. This is somebody who is consistently trying to learn more and are never satisfied with their level of understanding. Even though these people are highly skilled, they underrate their own expertise. For me, I want to be the expert in training and development for the firm because that's what they pay me for, is to be that expert in training and development. Now, if I just kept trying to go out and learn everything there is about the field, it's expansive, just like the world of accounting, just like the world of marketing, of consulting, of finance, insert your field name here, it's expansive. If I went to try and do that, I would feel a huge lack of confidence in myself because, man, that's a lot to learn. I can't I can't learn all of those things. Even though I do consider myself somebody who is highly skilled in training and development, if I were to go seek out all the answers to the world's training questions, that would really start to create those senses of imposter syndrome within me. So understanding that we can't all be complete experts, but we do have the knowledge to take us in the field that we're in because that's the reason why we're here. That's the reason why we're accountants. That's the reason why we're marketing consultants. That's the reason why we're finance administrators. We know the knowledge. Now, if you've listened to this and you're like, okay, I think I've felt signs of imposter syndrome or I felt it before in my career. I might feel it after I listen to this episode. What are some things that I can do to cope with those feelings? Well, there's a lot of things you can do. The first is to ask yourself some hard questions. The first being, what core beliefs do I hold about myself? Then you could ask, do I believe I am worthy of love as I am? And must I be perfect for others to approve of me? Depending on your answers to these questions, that can really give you some guidance as to when you're talking to a therapist or a psychiatrist or a loved one about some of these things that you're dealing with. If you can answer those questions, you know, yes or no, and then provide some reasoning behind it, that will really help you address those feelings of imposter syndrome. And this leads right into the number one thing you should do is share your feelings. Talk to other people about how you're feeling. Don't let those bad feelings fester. The analogy I think of my head is that volcano. If you've got this, all these emotions and all these feelings and you don't let it out, eventually it's going to boil over to the top and you're just going to explode on somebody who is not expecting it. This one I thought was interesting. It's this idea of focusing on others. If you recognize that others are in the same situation as you, help them understand these feelings of imposter syndrome. Doing so helps build confidence in your own abilities. Then assess your own abilities is another strategy. Write down what you've accomplished in your life what you're good at, what are the things you might struggle with, and compare that with your self-assessment. If there is a true misalignment where you have these feelings of self-doubt, but then look at all the things you've accomplished in your career, that's imposter syndrome. When you're looking for the good, look at those accomplishments and things that you've done. Don't focus so much on the negatives. Those will always be things that can be approved upon. When you're thinking of those things that you can approve upon, it's important to take baby steps. Do things reasonably well and reward yourself for taking action. We all had to walk before we could learn how to run. Take a moment to question your thoughts when you have those feelings of imposter syndrome and determine if those thoughts are rational. So if you turn in an audit that is 100% correct, but then you have this lingering feeling of, man, I really screwed up that audit. Is that a really rational thought? Or are you just panicking because you're striving to hit a deadline and you weren't sure if you hit all the key marks the client was looking for? 
This one, I think we all do at some point in our lives and it's okay. But the one thing we can try to limit is to limit comparing ourselves to other people. We all come from different socioeconomic statuses or different work experiences or different backgrounds. Try not to focus so much on what makes you different about than somebody else. Rather, listen to what other people are saying when you're talking to them, interacting with them, and be genuinely interested in learning more. Those are the times where you can really get to know people, really start to develop strong relationships, and then in turn, they can be, be the people you turn to when you have those feelings of self-doubt. This one's also a big one, and I think we're all guilty of this, or we should strive to do this, is to use social media moderately. You shouldn't portray this image on social media that doesn't match who you are. So if you're taking these extravagant photos, you're getting your enjoyment off of the likes that people send your way for the photos you post, but in reality, you're feeling like absolute crap, there's a mismatch there. And that again, that positive feeling you get is not going to outweigh the feelings that you have about yourself. So try to limit your use and try and portray an image as your best self, not the self you want to be. Another thing is to stop fighting your feelings. Lean into and accept them. Only then can you unravel them. And last but not least, refuse to let this hold you back. Keep going and refuse to be stopped. Like I said, we're all going to experience or we have experienced some form of imposter syndrome in our lives. If you haven't yet, beware. It'll probably come at some point. But don't let it hold you back. Recognize that it's just a part of our mind makeup and all of these strategies, talking to people, really focusing on the positive rather than the negatives, those will get you to where you want to be. You are the expert in your field. There's a reason why you're here. Don't let your brain trip you up. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Coach's Corner. We hope you learned more about imposter syndrome. If you'd like to learn more, I've included resources in this episode's description. Or if you are listening to this through UHY University, you can also check that out in the description for this course. We'll see you next time.